and welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. This is one of our Unsolved History episodes where we discuss an unsolved case of reincarnation. But before we go any further, I'd like to thank Raphael Crux for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Today's story takes us back to a pivotal moment in the history of the American Civil War, the Battle of Gettysburg. We explore Star Chebitar's memories as she recalls the death of her husband and her son to the war and to the sense of loss it has left her with in the current life. So before I go any further, I do want to say that at one point we touch on life in the South and inevitably given the time, we do briefly discuss the issue of slavery and slaves in the South. I apologise in advance if this upsets anyone's feelings or opens any raw wounds. My intention is never to harm, and I have the greatest respect and compassion for the struggles of black Americans, both in the past and present day. We only touch on the subject briefly, however, but if I do use the wrong terminology or I say something to offend, please let me know at reincarnationplr at gmail.com so I can avoid making that mistake again, and I offer you my deepest apology. Star's main theme in these memories, however, is the loss of her husband, John who wrote to her telling her that he would return to her in the next life. She feels like he's not been able to do that so far in this life and it's left her with a sense of loss. So perhaps if we can find out something for her, we might provide some closure. However, I'll let Star tell her story in her words. So today we welcome Star Shabatar to my podcast and she's got an interesting story in that she remembers her past memories of life with regards to the Battle of Gettysburg. So yours is actually an interesting story, though, because you actually have sort of stronger memories of your partner rather than your own life. Do you remember having the memories as a little girl? Um, not fully. I remember bits and pieces of telling my grandmother and my mother details, and I remember feelings, but I don't remember exact memories like I can't see faces in dreams or memories that I would have I could see from like the neck down I described my significant other's uniform down to the details on the buttons that I had used to sew onto his uniform so those were the bits and pieces that I had remembered and I remembered his name and the names and um, details that he had written to me in letters that I had shared with my mom. Um, But at three years old, you don't expect to have those kind of memories or, or even influence of those kind of memories. So that's when they started thinking that this is more than just a childhood imagination. That actually is very common among the stories of the children who remember reincarnation. Have you had actually a lot to do with reincarnation apart from your own experiences or? I have, I've researched some of the other cases because I thought growing up I was raised Catholic and Catholics believe a certain thing happens when you die, you go to places and things happen and that's how it goes. And I never fully believed that growing up. My thought process on religion was always, I don't understand. It seemed wasteful in a way. Like, 
you have this soul, it's kind of, it's wasteful to only experience one life that may be 80 years in millions of years that the earth is there. So it didn't make sense to me. So I studied a lot on um, different religions and I looked into the other experiences from other people and researched it quite a bit. So I've heard other reincarnation stories and even from my own children, they have said things that made me think, well, I wonder, like my, my four-year-old uses words that a four-year-old, I, I don't understand how he would use them. Like he would come up after he did something wrong and he would go, I apologize profusely, mom where do you know profusely from? So um, just the way that they'll talk or the things that they'll say, he'll say, my other mommy, um, she used to tell me these stories or my other family. And, and But nothing into the detail that I had described at three years old. Because I guess at three years old, I had described pieces of this battle that I had never heard of, I had never been to. We lived near it to an extent. We lived a couple hours away. And um, I had always had this fascination with history. Like, if I could have been a history teacher, I would have. But I went a different direction. So the obsession, I guess you can say what it was, was so strong with this place that um, I had studied it since I could read books. I would buy books that were about Gettysburg and I would be reading them and saying, I remember that. <laughs> or, oh yeah, I know about that. And those are things that I shouldn't have known. Um, so that's really my only experience with it is my own. And then um, the stuff that I have researched in my own path of trying to figure out religion and trying to figure out if these are memories or if they're imagination. Right. It's Because it's interesting from, from your story. I mean, I'll get you to actually recount the same information that you put in, in in the forum. But yours is an interesting case because you remember being the wife of someone who was murdered in the war, but you also actually remember being there. So I wonder if you lived in Gettysburg or something or because most people who have that same sense of deja vu that you experience usually have that feeling because they grew up in that area or knew the area. So you said in the forum that you were kind of feeling like you hadn't been contacted by your, the, the man that you lost, your husband. And I'm wondering if you're not getting some kind of message from him because somehow you've got that same sense of being there. But if you right. were his wife, um, would you have been there kind of thing? That's what I was wondering as well. Like the details that I remember, um, I remember sitting on my grandmother's porch. I was about three. It's when your memories first start. Like I can remember bits and pieces of being three. And um, I remember sitting on the porch and 
I was just sitting there and my grandmother had come out and she had sat with me and it was tea time. My grandmother is British and we had afternoon tea on like clockwork. And so she had come out to have tea and I had kind of done one of those <sighs> that little girls do dramatic effect kind of thing. And she had said, what's the matter? And I said, I just can't believe he hasn't shown up. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, in my other life, my husband and I described everything about him. I described that he was a soldier. I can't remember now. I specifically gave the color of the uniform. And um, prior to the podcast, I had called my grandmother and my mom. My grandmother is 93 years old now, so things oh. are kind of skipping there. <laughs> but um, she can't remember. My mom can't. We can't remember the color that I had said because it had been so long ago. And um, But I had said the color of his uniform, and I had told her how he was a doctor, and he was in this war and he was killed by a gun with a knife on the end of it. It had stabbed him in the back. And I had said our son, John, who had the same name, went into the war as well. He, had, he was the age of a man. That's the term that I used. He was the age of a man. And he went in there as well. Now, if you know anything about the Civil War, I mean, they started recruiting boys at 13, 14 years old. So I have no idea if he was 13. I have no idea if he was 20. But I know he didn't have any children. Right. Um, so I had went into these details and I had said to her that I just, I couldn't believe that he didn't show up. And I described the areas and she, she can't tell me whether or not I described them as though I was there because I had described our house too. I had told them what our house looked like. It was a big white house and it had these circle pillars out front and it had blue shutters and it had these big trees in the front yard. And that's all I've ever told her. Like, I, I couldn't tell her if it was the South. I couldn't tell her if it was the North. I know that in now, I feel a lot more at home in the South than mm -hmm. I do in the North, um, because I'm in the Southern part of the United States right now. And I've lived up North most of my life. We only moved South probably about four years ago and I feel at home down here but growing up I was fascinated with it and I wanted to visit and my school was close enough that they would do field trips for history and without fail every single time there was a field trip I would be sick and I wouldn't be able to go something always prevented me from being able to go. So my sister-in-law had gotten married and we had driven from Tennessee to New York 
And on our way back home, it was late. It was like 1030. And I had saw a sign for Gettysburg. And I was like, this is it. I'm going. And my husband was asleep. And quietly, I go, oopsie, detour, <laughs> and just kind of veered off and followed the exits. And next thing I knew, I was pulling into Gettysburg. And when I got there, um, I, I saw the sign, and I kind of passed over it and passed over the, the city or county. I'm not sure what it is, but it was a, the county line, I guess. And I had passed over it and immediately my heart just started pounding. Like just, I was shaking and I was just very emotional. And my husband had woken up and he's like, where are we? I was like, oh, there was a, there was a detour. Just go back to sleep. It's fine. And I'm driving down these streets and I feel like I know them but I don't at the same time. So I thought maybe I knew them because he had described them because obviously they've changed, but I recognized landmarks is what I recognized. Like I was like, Oh, I, I know that. Right. But you didn't have a sensation of, I know that building cause I've seen it before. It was more like, I know that building. Yeah. It was more like, I know that building. Like, right. I, I recognized landmarks more so than like I'd been here before. It was more of a, I just recognize it. Mm. So we had driven to what I assumed to be the battlefield because it was really dark and it was hard to see things. And I saw the, the they have cannons that are lined across the battlefield. And so I was like, I recognize this. I know where I'm going. And I drove us down the road and we pulled into a, a hotel parking lot that just happened to be alongside the battlefield. And I got out of the car and I walked onto the battlefield and I just stood there and it instantly felt like I just broke and I fell to the ground and I just cried. I sobbed and it was just, it was overwhelming. And I called my mom and I was like, guess where I am? And she's like, are you okay? And I'm ending here on the battlefield. After all these years, I am finally here sobbing. And I wanted to walk further, but I couldn't see the landmarks. And I've didn't know where I was headed. Like I knew that I wanted to go in a certain direction. I felt pulled to a certain direction. And then a ghost tour came and then we had to get off the battlefield. And so I got back to the car and it was just, I was devastated like all over again. Like I didn't want to leave, but we had to be back my husband's job by morning so we climbed in the car and the further we drove like the more my heart just like broke I didn't want to leave it felt like something I, I had to finish something if that makes sense like it felt unfinished that's actually um quite understandable and that seems to be 
when you talk about cases of reincarnation with people or you listen to the interviews, it seems to me that people have the memories because they have unfinished business or they had like a traumatic death that is still bothering them or, you know, a life that they wanted to live and just couldn't live because they got sick or whatever. But there's a feeling of unfinished business that seems to be attached to it. So that would make a lot of sense right. to me. The whole reason why you contacted the forum was because you were saying that you felt a sense of not having closure because he had said in his letters that he would contact you and that you felt that he had right. in this life. Right. My last memory, I guess you can say that my grandmother had said that I had told her was that I had received a letter from him um, after his death. Like he had written me a letter that somebody else had delivered. That's and it sad. had said that if you're receiving this, then I didn't make it. And it went into things like that. And I had said to her that he told me that we would meet again. And he promised. And at that time, I felt like he wasn't there. Right. So... Um, and, and that's kind of where my memories ended. Like, I don't know if it's because it was so traumatic towards me that I don't remember anything else after that, but, um, like that's the last memory that I had had, um, that I had told them was that my husband and my son were killed in this battle and, in Gettysburg, they have certain areas on the battlefield, like they have um, Cemetery Hill, they have where Pickett's Charge was, they have Culp's Hill and things like that. And I had told them that he had written to me about a little big hill. And that's one of the places in, in Gettysburg is it's Little Round Top, I think it's called. I, I'm not sure why, but it's just kind of escaping me at this moment. But, and I had told them details about this hill and about how their formations were. And he had told me about how Lee, Robert E. Lee didn't want to engage in the battle because half of his cavalry was spread across from Maryland and they only had about 75,000 troops whereas the other ones are they had 90,000. I had talked about how he had written me that the um, communication the lines of communication were um, severed like they couldn't get word out to more troops so they and had saying assumed, these things is like a little girl like a three-year-old yeah Wow. Yep. And that's I would amazing. say these things up until I was about seven. And that's kind of where I, I stopped talking about it, but I would still have nightmares and I would still wake up in the night crying about it. And I would still feel that um, empty feeling. And I would still um, like feel that need for closure so the memories kind of had faded over the years, but those feelings have kind of grown more. 
Right. And it it's just, it's a hard thing to put into place, feeling like you need to have closure for something that you can't even remember. Um, so that's kind of where I was at with it when I wrote everything. Right. So you know that he was stabbed in the back by a bayonet. So firstly, I'm, you've got a lot more knowledge about Gettysburg than I do. I, I don't really know a great deal about it. But I, my understanding of it was that there was a, a field hospital there that treated both sides, but that the soldiers, that the, the um, doctors and things were more at the field hospital, but they did have a couple of them who were wounded by shot. Do you think that he might have been some sort of medic who actually was retrieving people off the battlefield? Because um, that was one of the things that we could not decipher in my memories. I kept saying he was a doctor, but we don't know if he was a doctor before the war and went in just to serve right. or if he went in as a doctor. I do know that during my extensive research that there was only a handful of men a handful in the in the aspect of 75,000 and and 90,000 a handful that were actually killed by bayonet right um not many were because what they would do is they would remove the bayonet they wouldn't actually leave them on the guns and i thought that I had made that up in my head for so long that he would write me and tell me how his men were making chess pieces out of the bayonets wow. and come to find out that it, back then that some of them did do that. They would go as they were traveling when they would camp for the night they would remove the bayonets and some of them would melt them down and make them into bullets or they would melt them down and they would make them into chess pieces or things that they could use in that aspect. So, and I had reiterated that to my mother and my grandmother that she would write me these letters about these things. So that's a really interesting fact to know. And it's interesting that you knew that as a little girl and obviously you then found out later that that's the case so that's actually a very interesting fact to know I've never heard that before mm -hmm. yeah. and um, they there was only one time that they really used bayonets during Gettysburg and that was for Pickett's charge a lot of the bayonets injuries came from that and I've done so much digging and so much research into the Battle of Gettysburg that it, I, I still can't pick out the information that I, I wanted to find because back then John was such a, a common name and there are thousands of Johns and there are thousands of Johns that were surgeons during the war but then again people don't know if he was a he entered as a private or he was a doctor in the war that's kind of where it where it's at, stuck at. <laughs> so um the other interesting thing I was going to ask you too is obviously he couldn't write in his letter that he was stabbed with a bayonet I certainly believe you know this how do you know that he was actually stabbed what, what where do you get the feeling was it when 
was it a feeling from you or do you feel that that information was imparted to you from maybe him or it was relayed to me when the letter was delivered from what I told my grandmother because from what I had told her it was a friend of his that relayed the information and um I I believe she said when I spoke with her this afternoon, she could not remember whether or not I said that the man that delivered the letter to me also delivered our son's body to be buried at the home, but they did not bring his. So we don't know if he was buried in Gettysburg because they have many of the soldiers that died there, they're final resting places are there that's interesting so we don't know if he was brought to me as well but they we're assuming that he had brought the son's body as well as that letter and that is why he was there that actually may be why you not feeling as strongly about your son because you've kind of got a bit of closure from him because you did get his body back and you know, maybe that's why you have a stronger feeling of not having closure that's with what we're husband. That's yeah. what we're assuming. Yeah, I think that sounds quite reasonable. And as you said, you mentioned that he was talking about in his letters, Robert E. Lee didn't want to do this, Robert E. Lee didn't want to do that. So it sounds like he might have been from the South, do you think? That's what we are leaning towards, being yeah. that um, growing up, I've always felt more at home in the South. Um even visiting, we had a home in Florida, and even driving through southern states, I would just, as soon as we would cross the Mason-Dixon line, I was, I instantly just felt settled and just felt relieved. And so we've always kind of assumed that he was more Confederacy than he was the Union. Um, I've talked with past life regression therapists and psychics that have stated that I have an old soul and that, um, I was no stranger to war and they have said things along those lines. And a lot of them have stated that they felt he was union. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't feel like that was correct but I've had a couple of them say that he was from the union and that was mainly when I would tell the story but if I didn't tell the story and they just picked up on things they would say the opposite or they wouldn't even touch on it so um I've definitely tried to open those memories back up but have been unsuccessful as of yet okay you remember a large white house with pillars at the front and you feel that he might have been adopted before he went to Gettysburg so he was obviously someone who was relatively wealthy as well we would assume I assume you feel that he owned the house yeah so that might help to actually pinpoint who he was in a way right and we had also I had also told my grandmother that we had servants. Right. But I had told her that 
we didn't treat them like servants. They lived in the house and they were friends. Right. We would, from what she had said, we would buy them because that's what you did back then. Mm -hmm. um, and we would pay to have their freedom. Okay. But they would stay with us and help with the home and the farm and things like that. Right. Um, so we are assuming that he was wealthy in some aspect because those kind of homes, I mean, I live in southern Tennessee now, and those kind of homes are still really expensive, but I, I just am drawn to them and I love them. Mm. And um, so I know that they're expensive and I know that they cost money back then as well. You're saying there that you bought the slaves and you effectively then emancipated them in a sense, like they virtually lived almost as free, but were they actually free? Because if that's actually an interesting thing. If they're in the South and they've got, they're treating their slaves like that, there can't have been many slave owners doing that. Correct. From my understanding, we didn't have a lot. We had two, from what my grandmother remembers, that lived in the home with us. It was a woman and her child. And I remember telling my mother that when I got the news of my husband and my child, that this woman, um, she consoled me wow. and she stayed with me is what I had told her. Um, but more than that, I wasn't really um, sure as to what else but I remember telling her that we had these two and they were more like family than servants right I have heard of that actually being a common thing among people who did have slaves I mean not a common thing but that sometimes slaves were actually treated almost like members of the family but um that could be something that could be uh uh, a useful uh, indicator as well. So the last question I've really got about it is that you actually um, mentioned that when you went to the battlefield, you were drawn to a particular area of the battlefield. What was the actual area? Was that that little top that you were talking about, the round top? What I remember on the field, I was standing by, um, it was a monument, and I took a picture of it Okay. And I was standing there, and there was a hotel and a parking lot off to my left. And then in front of me, there was an area that kind of dipped. And it was so dark that I couldn't see what was beyond that dip. But right there, I, I felt like I needed to go down that hill and kind of veer off to the left okay just how i felt pulled it was more of a direction than it was a particular spot and having never been there i i, I can't say where exactly it was i was drawn to um and in hindsight i never thought to look at a map <laughs> Kind of understandable though, because you sort of appeared there almost unexpectedly, like you didn't, you weren't planning it out. So, honestly, we weren't even planning on going. I just kind of, well, 
this is what we're doing and went with it. I'm going to say I'd do the same. There's no way I could be that close and have those feelings and not go. I'd be the same. Exactly. You, you just have I was just, it was there and I, I was so close and I refused to just drive past it. Even though we only spent about 20 minutes and, and most of them were me just sobbing <laughs> yeah. and just like, I, I just had to step on it. And, you know, my husband has stated, he knows my feelings on the topics and he doesn't share them, but he understands them. So he mm -hmm. kind of lets me just do my own thing. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of nice. My partner's a bit the same. He kind of, uh, yeah. he doesn't, I don't think he, I think he just figures I'm just going to wait till I get to that side and work it out there. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really want to think about it or know so much about it, but he kind of respects what I'm doing and he, he likes that I'm sort of getting out there and exploring something that matters to me. So. Yeah, exactly. We, he understands that I feel this way. He doesn't feel the same. Yeah. But he says, you know, just because I don't feel the same doesn't mean that it's not true. In, in this life, I'm drawn to a man in uniform. Like I just, my husband served in the army and I had joined and served in the Navy. And so I've just been drawn to uniforms. And my grandmother thinks it stems from these memories I had as yeah. a child and my fascination with the the civil war and whatnot and i've always said growing up that i was going to marry a red-headed man and my grandmother is convinced that it's because my husband was a redhead i don't know i don't remember describing him mm. like she said i never described him um, so we have no idea, but she does remember that I gave her a last name and she cannot remember for the life of her what it was, but it was, it started with an M and it was either an M-A-C or M-C. So he right. was obviously probably Irish or something. Irish or Scottish. Um, I think definitely Celtic. I mean, it sounds like it might've been a a Scottish name really with the, cause they have a lot of the McDonald's, the Mc, the, you know, there's a lot of mooks in the, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe they, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe How interesting. Had, and just for the record, my husband does not have red hair. <laughs> I was wondering actually. It's not, he has dark brown hair. Really? Blue eyes. Well, there you go. Well, that's interesting. So hopefully with all of that, we'll, we might be able to find, because there's obviously a lot of people out there who are really interested in Gettysburg and they might have information about medical people who worked or, you know, even. Yeah, and I've, I've actually reached out to Gettysburg historians and I have given them the information that I have, but the information that I have, unless I have a full last name, or something to that effect, whether he was Confederate or Union, they can't really 
pinpoint because there was just so many. That's why I feel that the podcast might be a good way of doing it because not only do you have historians, but you also have people who research their family tree. And of course, in America, the Battle of Gettysburg is one of the, the significant major battles and people yes. will remember if, if members from their family tree were involved in the battle. So we might find it that way with a bit of luck. That would be helpful. I mean, just all I really want is like a closure. Like, um, I don't feel as though I have met him because I feel like if I did, I would feel kind of like complete, I guess. Mm, like, I'm, mm. I don't feel like I want something romantic because I, I'm married and I have children and I've done my life but it feels like something is missing. And that's kind of that nagging feeling that I constantly get. And it, it gets worse throughout my whole life. It's gotten worse during the summer, specifically during July. I mean, right. it's just those first three days in July, it never fails. It's like an ache inside of me kind of thing. So I sort of want to... Yeah, exactly. And it's like, even though I don't have those, those solid memories more than what I remember telling, but it's like, I just, I remember these feelings and I, I feel like I grieve every July. Like I'm grieving. The battle actually occurred July 1st through the 3rd. Oh, it was July. I thought it was April. Oh, no, that's... it was july 1st and it started the evening of july 1st and um and went to july 3rd right, right. and then they they had pulled back july 3rd so. so that's why you're grieving then you're grieving his death obviously that's what it seems like but i have no idea what which day yeah. It was, and when I spoke with the historians in Gettysburg, they couldn't give me a lot to go on. Well, it's interesting, I suppose, if most of the bayonet attacks happened, because they, I think from memory, only from watching the movie, and I have no idea how accurate it was, but <laughs> I seem to recall... Was it? It was a great movie. I loved it. I've got to say, I was absolutely taken with it. It was just incredible. But... um. The, I think they, they ran out of bullets towards the end, didn't they? And that's why they were talking about fix your bayonets because we're just going to go down the hill. I remember them saying that and thinking, oh, my God, imagine being in that position, you know. Yeah, they had brought themselves up onto kind of like a, it was kind of almost an outlook or like an overlook kind of thing. And what the union had done is they basically circled them and forced them back and that's when they did Pickett's Charge and they fixed the bayonets and they just ran down because they were stuck. They had nowhere else to go but down. There's quite a lot of information there. So I think uh, with a bit of luck, we might hopefully find something for you. It'd be lovely if we could. Yeah. I'm glad you talked about him today because I think it also helps to give a little bit of closure just to put their stories out there a little bit doesn't it and to it does it it's cathartic in a way I guess yeah and I think sometimes maybe that can help a little bit anyway so 
but yeah. it's a very interesting story and thank you so much for sharing with me i've really loved talking to you about it it's been amazing thank you so as you heard star has a lot of feeling attached to these memories and she badly needs to find out more so she can find the closure she's seeking and move forward from this point there's a lot of information available here and I will list all of the details that Star remembers on my Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited Facebook page for you. Just to clarify one point, Star said that when she was at the monument she felt a strong pull to the left but in looking at the picture she feels she got a bit turned around and it was a pull to the right. Also her mother got back to her and provided more information about what Star had said as a little girl about the uniform. She said she described it as a greyish-blue uniform with buttons and that the material was scratchy. Unfortunately, the little girl described the buttons in detail, but her mother can't remember what she said. So, with regard to finding out information, are you a history buff with a knowledge of the battle that may help? Or have you got a father and son both called John who died in the Civil War in your family tree? Star feels that John, the husband, definitely died at Gettysburg, but there is the possibility that her son died elsewhere on another field of conflict in the Civil War. Do you own one of the plantation houses that fits the description Star remembers of a big white house with circular pillars that had blue shutters in the Civil War period and had big trees in the front yard? Or do you have old letters from a doctor called John who wrote to his wife while he was away at war? They may be still around today, as Star, or the woman she was back then, obviously loved her husband deeply, and I can imagine they may be cherished mementos that may be handed down, if not for their love story, for the historical fact of the events they cover. If there is any information at all that you can bring to help Star move forward with her search, we'd love to hear it. Or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I'd love to hear about that too. And I can be contacted through my email at reincarnationplr at gmail.com or via my Facebook page called Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. Thank you so much for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose. Mm -hmm.